listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. Mark your calendars, folks. The American High Goal 2022 is happening this coming May 11th through 15th in Mobile, Alabama at the grounds. The American Polo Cross Association is excited to bring a, a high goal event to U.S. soil for the very first time. America's best players, along with some top international players, will be battling it out for a tremendous spectacle. Stay tuned for ways you can get involved as a sponsor or a volunteer for the event. Again, that's the American High Goal 2022, May 11th through 15th in Mobile, Alabama at the grounds. I'll see you there. Are you a Polo Cross related business? Chucka Talk has a truly global audience. To learn more about advertising here, email me at ryan at polocrossmadesimple.com. Space is limited. On this episode of Chucka Talk, you'll meet two amazing women who have made a big impact on horse welfare and performance. Beth McClarty has helped manage some of the top polo cross strings in the world. From World Cup to high goal, she's been there, done that, and has tremendous insight and advice. Beth Shaw established the B-Set Academy in 2008 and is recognized internationally for providing specific instruction in the use of wink screen transceiver and equine transceiver technique. She currently resides in Hong Kong where she works with winning Group 1 thoroughbred racehorses. She can also claim clients who have won the Durban July race. On this episode, we also highlight a brand new magnetic handheld massager developed by Beth to enhance horse well-being and improve performance. Don't miss this one. Here on Chugga Talk, the goal is to shrink the pull across world by connecting people together, and most importantly, to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. Hello. Hi. Hi, Hi. Beth. Hello. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Thanks for the call. <laughs> We're all over the world right now. The morning here, 8 a.m. Beth's in the afternoon. Beth McClarty and Beth Shaw is in Hong Kong in the evening. We're truly <laughs> yeah. all over, but we're all awake, probably on our normal sleep cycle. So that's good. Let me just get the podcast started. Really excited to have two very uh, special people on today. First off, Beth McClarty, someone who I'm lucky to call a friend as of a few months ago. Wonderful person, great family, wife of Bruce McClarty, mother of champions. So that's Beth McClarty and then her friend, Beth Shaw. She's a practitioner of the equine transceiva technique, has an equine study courses, and she's also the founder of Sumchi 6. It's a fascia health tool. We're going to hear a lot of information about that, but I really want to talk about horse welfare and performance. So there's going to be a lot of great information on the call. Beth Shaw, give me a little bit of background of where you came from, because you are from the States. Yes. And so I'm originally, are you in New Hampshire or where yes. are you right now? Yeah. I'm from Vermont, originally from Vermont and went to ski academy in Lake Placid, New York, and then went to the University of Vermont. And when I finished UVM, I started traveling and ended up in Kenya and then off to South Africa. Then many years later, ended up working in Hong Kong. When I started working in Hong Kong, it was when I could travel back and forth easily to South Africa. So it's been a bit of a thing not being able to travel anymore because my kids are in South Africa. But um, oh, bummer. So when did you get to South Africa? What year? In 94, when the government was changing. Yeah, so I finished university. I'll go back a little bit. I was a three-day adventure. 
through high school and then after I took a gap year and competed in quite high levels of three-day eventing and then went on to university and couldn't ride at the same time. But to stay connected with the horses, I worked at dude ranches out west in Wyoming and Colorado. And then when I worked for a place called Bitterroot Ranch in Dubois, Wyoming, they hooked me up with a job in Kenya. And then... And that's Tristan and Cindy Vorspray. I'm not sure Tristan's passed, um, but Cindy is Cindy's very much involved in polo, in women's polo. And she hooked me up with a job in um, Ligerton, Natal, for John Bretner, working with polo ponies. Three-day eventing is that one sport that I say is much more dangerous than polo or polo cross. The horses <laughs> don't necessarily know what's on the other side. They're solid fences. You must have been a brave rider as a child doing some of that stuff yeah it was it was really so that was back in the day when the three day was steeple was roads and tracks steeplechase and roads and tracks and then you did your cross country mm. that was oh my gosh. The, yeah so we <laughs> learned how to get a horse fit from a very young age funny because i was looking through i was doing some research and i saw that you came back to the states recently for a tour and we have a mutual acquaintance in don jones Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, the famous Tommy Lee Jones went to Harvard and played polo there and he supports the Harvard polo team. And I was the assistant coach for a couple of years. So she came out East for the East coast open, rode our horses and I groomed for her. Uh, she's a phenomenal lady. Yes. She does a lot for ladies polo. And I was very lucky to meet her this last trip and introduce the sum she worked to her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she had she really enjoyed it and got a hang of it. So it was good fun. I do want to get into the details of, of your product, but I want to go to Beth McClarty for a second here. You're known as you're an uplifting, fun, tactful coach, but you're also widely known as an effective manager of horses horse strings. You bring in that element that a lot of polo cross coaches and players don't bring in that gives you an advantage. What are some of the top polo cross strings that you've been able to work with? And I'm more curious about what are the stresses of polo cross that you see that need to be addressed during a tournament weekend? Thanks, Ryan. I think that both polo cross and polo are a pretty unique equine sport in that you take the skill and balance of a rider and merge it with the ability and power of a horse and its performance. And you merge all that into one, into a contact sport, which the other equestrian sports don't really have that contact element. And so polo cross more than than polo. They normally all musculoskeletal injuries. I mean, they mainly that. And I would say they're probably that with show jumping and eventing as well. I was involved in other equestrian disciplines like Beth. I also did eventing. I did show jumping. I did tent pegging. My family's been involved with horses and I've been crazy about them since I knew they were horses. I like to treat them holistically. And I think that's where maybe I'm a little different from others. I'm a little bit philosophical when it comes to horses because I feel that they're a bit sentient and that we can learn so much more from them. And they are always trying to give us information. But because we human, we have egos and we're not always that in tune with them. So I like to keep evaluating. I'm always on the pursuit of knowledge. I'm always trying to find out more about the horse and the injuries. And I follow the show jumpers, the eventers, the polo guys, everybody, anybody that can just give me a little bit of useful information. I follow that and I, and I go with that. I also feel like you can learn something from anybody. 
And our injuries in polar cross are mainly, as I said, tendons and joints. So my focus was really around that. I've taken little bits of information from different people. They're all about cooling down the tendons as quickly as possible now. But 20 years ago, about 20, Jane might correct me, but Jane Cooper was visiting us. And she was telling us about, she worked at a polar string and they used to have the buckets of water with the ice and immediately ice the horse's legs afterwards. So I kind of ran with that. And it really, really does work. The quicker you get the bandages off and cool the legs, the better. And um, we've seen results like that. And then the big thing is as fit as possible. And everybody has their own regime. And as a family, it's easy for me to do the whole fitness regime and the horse treat the horse holistically and everything. The minute you move into a team environment, it's different. There are all kinds of other issues that come up. I endeavor at all times, the horse welfare comes first. And that's how that's how I operate. Yeah. When you say that there's some challenges when it comes to the team environment, is it just the different personalities? Everyone has their own look at it. Uh, some are less concerned about it, just their level of horse knowledge and the way that they manage horses. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. In a team environment, so as a family, so my kids all ride similarly. We all in the same program with the horses. And then when you go into a team environment, as in the World Cup, they other people's horses. And we always intend to return them better than we got them, or at least the same as when we got them. Um, but there is all that tension and they say the heart field of a horse is 60 meters, that of the human is 15 meters. But when you go to a World Cup, you actually can feel the heart field of a, of a human at like 100 meters. When you walk in there, you can start feeling everything, all the emotions, the anxiety, the competition. So when you're getting horses that don't belong to you and you have such a short time to make them work as effectively for you as you possibly can. It's a lot harder and I rely a lot on intuition and a less on like the intellectualism side of side of it. I like to be intuitive with the horses. I like to watch them and observe them. Yeah, you pick up little things like that. You know, and then in a World Cup, there are lots of constraints. You're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that. And you can only go to the horses at these times. So it is much tougher but if you have a good team working with you and everybody buys into the program and everybody does the same it works it's it does help but yeah there, there is lots of tension and you know you don't always get horses as fit i make sure our horses at home are very very fit taking on a grade games because i realize it is a strenuous sport but then when you go to a world cup and they've had to collect horses and sometimes they are c and d division horses brought into a big pool they're not quite as fit because unless you've played there you don't understand how fast it will happen and how prepared your horse can be my hypothesis is that if Horse injuries happen when horses get tired. You get a lot of injuries that happen, just a horse playing in a paddock or you've been unlucky in a game, but most of the serious injuries occur when the horses are actually fatiguing. And I try and prevent that as much as possible with a team of players and the Beamer blankets and anything I can use that make life better. Beth Shaw, take us through your educational journey, Transceiva technique, or maybe before that, and what you were seeing and the opportunity you saw to, to help horses. And just take me all the way up to some chi and where you're at okay. with that. Just quickly to tie back with what Beth was saying is one of the men that I well studied, well, Charles Strong, who started the Transceiva technique, his big thing was injuries come from fatigue. 
Um, but yes, to, to go back to the beginning, I studied basic political science in university. It was quite important to me to get a university degree, although I didn't know what I wanted to study, so I cracked on. And then when I got to South Africa, I was lucky enough to meet a woman named Winks Green. And Winks Green was the founder of equine physiotherapy in South Africa and also in England. Well, Charles Strong was, but she founded all the groups and whatnot. Winks Green studied with Charles Strong in England back in the 50s. 1950s. So she she was studied as a nurse and then she couldn't get into veterinary school. So she went over through her family. They knew about Charles Strong. She went over, she studied with him for two years and then returned to South Africa. She was the guardian of his technique. Once he passed, she became the guardian of his technique and all of his information. She worked with the transceiver and then she improved the pulse and named it and then the Winks Green Transceiver. When Winks finished her career, she passed all of her information and over to me. And so I've become the guardian of her work. One of her dreams was to have an educational system behind the transceiver. And we started BSET Academy to do just that. And we offer a two-year course and we train people to be ETT practitioners. It's a course where you ride, work with the equine athlete. It's uh, I think 450 hours that you have to accumulate with the transceiver work. It's anatomy. So it's both practical and theory and very intense course. But the, the practical also goes down to checking horses two or three times a day, evaluating lame misses, working with vets, working in the field. So my head practi practitioner there is Bridget Schroeder. She takes the students into the field, works the July seasons. From the beginning of the course, they start hands also on, but also starting to work in the professional field, learning what it's like to handle high-end horses. How many certifieds are out there right now in this technique? So there's about 35, 35 people out there, men and women, working around the world. So we have people in the States, throughout England, Germany, Holland, South Africa, Zimbabwe, uh, Hong Kong, New Zealand. So we're we're spreading out along the, around the world. It's, it's quite exciting. It's something that, to be honest, I'm very proud of. Robin Butterworth runs BSET Academy now at home in, in South Africa. We are looking to go more online and then run a training center actually in Vermont to start. And that's our next step. Very proud to offer a course that gives students a skill so they can go and work anywhere in the world, start their own business and obviously improve the well-being of the equine athlete and the horse in general. Oh, and then Nancy, she's in Spain. So we've got someone in Spain as well. And I started the Academy in 2008. I just need to tell the audience that you're working with racehorses in Hong Kong right now. You've actually worked on horses that have won big Durban races, right? Yeah. So obviously high-performing horses, top trainers, have adopted the technique. My dad's a, a track vet. He's old school. He's 76. Whereabouts is he? He's in at Penn National in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, lovely. I'm just giving him an example because he's just, you know, he's old school and he's, he's you know, less holistic than, than you than you would think. And it, and also it's it, the track isn't as high end, isn't as much money going into the horses, let's say. I'm sure you hit some resistance, right? You say that you're working with veterinarians right now. 
Uh, how did they view the technique? Just tell me a little bit about that. I think it was probably harder for Winx to get going. When I started, she had already established the technique in South Africa, earned the respect. So I had to go in and just, uh, you know, Ryan, if you just keep your head down, if you work hard, if you produce results, anyone's going to want you. A vet's going to want you on their team. Trainer's going to want you on the team. I've learned to just routine, look good, present yourself well, speak well, produce the good, and people will will use you. And that's what I really try to get across to my students is that at the end of the day, you produce the results, you'll have work. If you don't produce the results, you're not going to have work. You know, I'm very, very lucky. Like the South African trainers, David Ferraris, he gave me the opportunity to get into Hong Kong. I sent emails to get in and they didn't really answer and then I kind of showed up on the door and said no you do need me here <laughs> you do want me here <laughs> and I'm coming <laughs> so I jumped on a plane <laughs> and I did just that and then the, the vet rag was like because mm -hmm, no one wanted to put their neck out which I totally understand and I just kept knocking on the door and I just kept showing up and said, I want to be here. And all things planned out and it's worked out incredibly. I'm very lucky to work here. I've learned so much and to work with this level of athlete and this level of competition is just raised my game tenfold. I worked with them. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure that the high level that some are adopting, it's they're seeing the results. And they want to do the same thing. A few years ago, I worked for an equine respiratory health company called Haygain, which you may have heard of, not sure. They sold nebulizers, hay steamers, you can imagine. So mm -hmm. you put it in there, you cook it, and it kills all the bacteria, knocks the dust down, uh, makes the hay, helps with the respiratory health because that's a huge part of it. Even uh, stall mat footing, basically cushioned stall mats so you could reduce the bedding. And it did make a difference, And it, but it was sort of a high-end type product. It did cost good money. Some sheik in, in the Middle East was using it all, all his horses. It seems like you've gotten a lot of buy-in from the top. How much are people using it sort of on a daily basis that aren't at that high level? I mean, I guess that's the word you're trying to spread. With the Samshi or the ETT? Well, I guess with either. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the ETT practitioners that are out there around the world are fully booked. They're busy. Um, I could easily have a second person in here now. It's just because of the virus situation. Mm. I just haven't wanted to, you know, the quarantine's very hard here. It's a three-week quarantine. If I'm to bring someone in from South Africa, it's, mm. she's got to go for three weeks somewhere else and then three weeks here. So I'm just kind of holding off. So with the ETT, yes, the, the practitioners around the world are busy and there is a need for them. The work, the Samshi work is, was something that I wanted to produce to be able to, there's several reasons here, but one for that competitor that has one or two horses, that money isn't, that it's not easy to get in your chiropractor or your physio. And, and this is something, and I've got goosebumps when I'm saying it now, is that it's something that I want to give back to the sport, the horse. I believe I can say if you're a 16 year old kid and you've got one polar cross horse and you want that to be an A-level horse, I believe we can help manage it through the Samshi 6 and the strokes that, that we've created. And we've created these strokes by learning and studying the the fascia and the contour of the horse, the movement of the horse and years of studying it. And now making a technique that is quite similar to how the horses massage themselves, but to help that competitor look after his horse 
to so he can reach his goals to maintain the well-being of the horse in competitive environment you know Ryan, i yeah. think people are seeing horses more as an elite athlete which they are especially in the top end sports when all playing fields are even and you have talented teams and you have very equal teams as skill wise and everything horses win games over and over again so the better your horses, the better your chances are. And then I found with these treatments, like if I could have kept the Sumshi Six as a secret, it would have been my secret weapon for any future big World Cup tournaments or something. Because um, it really is a sensational little device. And I've seen incredible results. And like Beth says, you can take a 16-year-old. I've taken a 10-year-old. Kazi. As right? in Kezi, yes. <laughs> watch the space, Kezi, okay? She's coming for you. <laughs> um, provided you approach the horse in all these modalities, in the right mind frame and being rather mindful when you go in and breathing and not distracted and not in a bad mood and everything, they respond to it unbelievably well and they keep showing you where the problem is. And I think Beth, it's just incredible. They've done an incredible thing with the Sumshi. And like she says, it's user-friendly. You literally can carry it in your bag and you can use it anywhere. You don't need charges. You don't need anything. And the results <laughs> really do speak for themselves. Yeah. Don't need a charger. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> I love that. Because <laughs> I use chargers. So it's perfect for me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you wouldn't mind getting into the details. What's going on with the horse? What this technique does? And maybe compare it to acupuncture, magnetic blankets. Just compare and contrast what's going on. It's a really a combination of massage, acupressure, fascia release. But again, it's come from the horse itself as well. Study the horse's fascia for a long time and the skin and the, the structure, the contour and there are several times when there was stress or the system was offline and I couldn't quite reach it or stimulate it the way I wanted to with ETT. And I was just trying to, uh, you know, sometimes it was on that last two ribs or it was in the hawk region. So then started to try to figure out how I could balance the system even better than I was. And I actually went for a human massage here to look after my own self. And um, someone used a magnetic tool on me and I thought yo there's something to that and it was had three prongs to it yeah then I went to source where it was being made how it was being made and then I adapted it to suit the horses and follow the horse's contour and have flow to it and whatnot and I think maybe to step back a few steps here we're not allowed to inject stifles so when there's a stifle problem I had to figure out how to fix it without injections. That's where quite a few of the strokes came from to start with. To start with, I studied and we did some research on what we call hawk scars. So it's a scar that presents itself in the hawk and it has to do with the sciatic nerve being under pressure and the corticotaneous nerve being under pressure. So for many years at BSET Academy, we studied this and we did research and we, you know, tracked it in the racehorses and all that stuff. Because of that, I was always drawn to looking at the hawk to see what kind of stress the hindquarter was under. And then that's where your strokes such as froggy, zebra, the DB stroke, those are all about balancing the hindquarter and balancing the muscles that operate the stifle. Then comparing and contrasting it, it's, it's a technique that really goes along with the natural mutual grooming 
mutual massage is that the horses do in nature and the vibration that that creates. So a lot of this time that I was standing in the stable in Hong Kong during this whole lockdown period, I'd be just me and the horses. I mean, I'd go weeks without really communicating with people because we were so restricted here. And so it's just me and the horses hanging out in the stables, listening to country music. And I'd be like rubbing or doing a stroke over the wither. And then you'd notice that the other horse would come and join in an angle where he wanted to be involved in the grooming session. So then we start to study more of the mutual grooming and how it goes and the speed of the vibration in which they might be doing it. I think with the Samshi, it's definitely, it's like Beth has always said, it's not going to stop your horse from getting injured, but it is definitely going to lessen the injuries and have a better chance of bringing your horse out of a tournament really in good nick. And I've used it a couple of times now on our own horses and they've come back great and where she explains where you use it and and graham was riding one of his horses and he's very intuitive when it comes to his own horse and he just said doesn't ju- just doesn't feel a hundred percent and we everybody could trot it out and it's everything was hundred percent so i said well i'll run the sumshi over that and when i got to the stifle she actually wanted to kick and bite. And sometimes they do that. Sometimes they mouth and they just love it. And they, it's very, but when there's a really sore spot or where there's a real problem, they indicate in different manners. And that definitely when you get the little bit of agitation, I can categorically state, I wouldn't have picked up that stifle injury without that samshi. And she could have gone on and played because she actually wasn't lame. But And we would have then done probably a, quite a serious injury. So I think with that and what Beth's saying is it just gets, when the fascia uh, moves smoothly, everything just works better, better extensions, better. She, I've learned a lot from Beth in that she told me horses are meant to hyperextend. I didn't really realize that. But in that hyperextension, that's when you do get injuries if everything is not in perfect order. And that's definitely where the samshi comes in i've had mine a while now and i've definitely seen massive differences and that whole theory of another horse joining in your session it happens every day it's incredible it happens every day people and it's not some like witch's theory (laughs) some beauty magic (laughs) it's none of that it actually happens even dogs and whatever they all come into that space we have this uh, quarterback over here in football called tom brady and he's got He's like, he's like 40s. He's like maybe 43 or 44. And, and he has the secret to success. He has this trainer that came in who was controversial, but all the players started using him eventually. The TB12 method, basically a massage in motion so that you get that muscle memory of that action in, in the leg, let's say. So let's say you're laying on a table, they're bending your leg back and forth, you're kicking but you're getting massage at the same time. And what that does is it makes it more pliable. That's the word they use. And I know in your, some of your literature, you talk about uh, taking some of that pressure off of those ligaments, less, less likely for an injury. So would you say that sometimes the muscles aren't either in alignment or they're pulling against each other, which make it a lot more of a, an environment for injury? Is that what you're trying to prevent? Unbalanced. Imbalanced. So if you say unbalanced, yeah. So okay. you, you want to, you know, the muscle that's going to flex the the muscle that flexes it and the muscle that extends it the more balanced you keep that the the, so also like if you think of fascia as this web that just keeps the body intact and it if it's moving like this 
you know, the give and the take and the flexibility, elasticity, the plasticity, and it's fluid. It's not going to, it's built, especially the horse is built to adapt and move and be fluid. But when you get an unknown injury or weakness or fatigued muscle, then the, the horse is going to compensate immediately. Most of the time, the large percent of the time, the horse breaks not in the original injury, it breaks in the compensating area. And the original injury actually goes unnoticed for a very, very long time. It's just the way the horse is designed. But so with the with the Samshi technique, it really is maintaining, if you can think about it, the just the elasticity and the plasticity of the movement. And like when you're working with somebody who knows the horses, like Beth knows her horses and her strings, she's gonna see where that contour might be off and where that horse might be muscling up a little bit too much on one shoulder or one tricep or like, so here I'm so lucky to have the, the visuals that we have here. Everything is filmed, all the trials and the races themselves. I can see everything that goes on with the horse. The pictures that are taken by the professional guys, my top horses, I analyze like each section. I mean, I know what each vertebrae is doing. And so when you're dealing like with Beth with her own string, She's got a 12 or 30 horses there and she knows exactly how that horse carries its head and what its contour is like and what its fascia is like. You can see when things are starting to change or a horse might be going sore. So what I do encourage of any athlete is that he really, she, they get to know the horse's contour and that will show you when things are going amiss before they go amiss. The, the better you can know contours, the outline, the figure of, of, of the muscles, you know, so the horse's tricep must, tricep must look like that. You want to like know that, like even my students, like we'll go to out for a drink and I'll say, okay, let's watch these people walk and let's see like how are their shoulders and how are their hips. And I mean, I've been known to be in the pub and put, take someone's gene and say, look at his calf. It's like this and like that. So studying contour should become something that you you really want to notice about your horse. And, and if you want to practice, just go to the beach and study people. <laughs> yeah. I think, Brian, that's great, Beth. I think the most important thing is observation. That is what I do a lot of. I observe our horses in the paddock, in the stable, anywhere, because observation is where you quickly pick up. And since I've been dealing with Beth and sending her odd videos to analyze for me, she is so advanced in that, that the slightest little shake of a head, which you don't really notice until she says, go back and have a look there. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. You know, I just take in, in observation is something that we try and teach our players and our kids and everything all the time. And that's, I think, what's been Bruce's success is his his observation skills are next level on players. And then I just kind of balance it a bit with the, with the horses so if we can get it together. You know, when you're trying to strive for excellence and you're observing players and horses, then it becomes easier making those observations and the deciding for yourself. And just listening to the older horse people, you know, sometimes we always listen with intent to answer. But I've been fortunate to have been in company with, well, last time when we were in Australia with Eric Beresford, very quiet. He was our horse coordinator. He would be quiet and then all of every now and again he would make a really pertinent statement and I would be like, whoa. And sometimes just go straight over other people's head. They don't even notice because he had that quiet way, but he was so astute and so good at observing the horses. And 
I think that observation is a big thing. You know, I've worked with Sarah Grill. She's another great observer of the horses and what's happening and where and when. With Assumption, if you can observe it um, when you're working with your horse and you're not distracted by anything else, you see so much. You, it's it's a massive learning tool and it's a, it's very therapeutic. I find it therapeutic for myself and the horses love it. So it's a bit of a win-win situation, you know. Okay. To go back to that observation, I think for anyone listening is, it is important to understand, watch where your horse stands in the stable, how they stand in the stable, which side is against the wall a lot. That tends, the horse usually tends to stand with its weaker or sore side against the wall. If it's pointing, resting, those small observations, again, will, you'll tend, it's quite often you can look in the stable and see if he's weighting one leg, hold, holding more weight, bearing more weight on one leg versus the other leg. I think for anyone listening, that is something that you, you know, walk out into your stables every night, check how they're standing, which side does he sleep on all the time? If he's sleeping, are he's bending his legs correctly or they're a bit, does he look uncomfortable? Does he not lie down? How does he get up? Does he roll over? Which way does he roll over? All those kind of things will help you understand your equine athlete a lot more and be able to help where you can. And again, observation is going to lead to prevention of injury. Speaking of observation, you've dealt with enough different disciplines. Are there certain things about certain disciplines where you don't necessarily prejudge, but you know that typically there's going to be more of a chance of an injury or stress in this area? Or is it just mostly hawks? And then the secondary question. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, like, well, I think about rainers. They're on their forehand and they have a different body composition. They're built downhill. You know, I wonder about things like that. And then secondary part of that is changing the mindset of those trainers on prep work, on stretch. I don't know if it's stretching or if it's just training a different way. Does it just dressage horse have too much stress on its neck does it need more i'm not i'm sure at the top level they they kind of know what they're doing is there a lot of trying to change mindsets after you've shown them hey this has been going on this is what's happening with your horse did you even know this was happening and then will they actually change what they're doing not always Is there a certain I, I think again, it goes, goes back to, I think less said the better and the more I can show and results, the better. Um, especially yes. I know what can be achieved from balancing a horse and sometimes it's not easy. You know, you don't, people don't like, yeah, I just believe the less I say, the better and the more I can show in improving the horse's movement, improving his attitude improving his performance is the best way to go about it. And yeah, it's, it is just trying to say, like, I guess then my next thing would be is, oh, but the the one thing I come up against a lot, oh, it's always been like that. That's the way it is. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And that's, then I'll just go about it and, and try to improve the horse's behavior, performance, movement, unsoundness i still have a lot to learn i mean i'm intrigued by the western horse i'm just intrigued by the horse i still have a lot to learn about the western horse i think they're amazing animals and athletes that's why i did go to texas and and just spend time with barrel racer and the reigning horse just to learn a little bit more about it compared to what you did before some chi do you find that that is less fatiguing than what you've had to do in the past you feel like it's that's another benefit of the sumchi. So that- I use both techniques here very much so. Like the, the sumchi was really created to make my ETT work even better. Mm. 
but it then was when I was learning, it was like, I could teach anyone to do this. So the strokes now, I mean, Beth has seen today what I did, we did with some computer work and how okay. we were showing it and how it's affecting the body and, you know, like it's animation. Sorry, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Work. Animation. Yeah. Yeah. We did that this morning and it, it's it's going to be amazing. Samshi is really ma- making, so I'll, I'll do like two days before a race, I do my ETT and that's really preparing. But if I need like the Samshi work might be after a race when the horse's fascia system and the muscles really fatigued and it's dehydrated. So it's hard to get in there with the stimulation. So then I might do the fascia, the Samshi work. The, the thing with the Samshi is that anyone can use it any horse enthusiast can use it and be effect and improve the horse's well-being as far as fascia energy channels nerve stimulation by following the strokes and the stroke routines so we've got videos for that in chart but i just learned today in meetings that no one likes charts and no one likes to read i have to make everything into a video <laughs> <laughs> And we spent so much um, time. You know, the magnets, the electromagnetic field, it's um, becoming a bigger thing all the time and horses definitely respond to them. The beaver blanket is uh, just a co-modality for that and that it also is electromagnetic energy that you use. But I was very interested today also, actually read up that NASA has actually signed up with them um, in an agreement together, they are going to design a spacesuit that helps with the microcirculation and prevents bone and muscle atrophy while in space. That is quite a big thing. And I've always sworn by the beamer blanket before I came across the Samji. And the nice, the difference is when I use the Samji, it will pinpoint a particular area. And so it's easy. And if you get a reaction, you just hold your your Samshi on there for a couple of seconds or and when you move off again and come back, it is so much better. It's crazy how quickly it responds. And obviously every horse is unique, completely, completely unique. So they're all different. And I think that's the interesting part about it. And then the beamer I use with that afterwards, or as you use the ETT, I mean, I would love one of those machines as well, because like I think the more we can help horses, the better. And I've definitely seen that. And Wingscreen did more incredible work in South Africa with that. So yeah. we are lucky that you carried on with that, Beth, and um, led you. to the, yeah. the Samshi and and your passion for for just improving horses' well-being is fantastic. For me, just being with the polar cross, um, my daughter did show jump, and I watch horses, and you watch a show jumping, they land on one leg. You watch with polar cross at a full gallop. Sometimes they've got no feet on the ground. Sometimes they've got that one leg on the ground with weight, saddle, and doing turns. I think that's why I'm quite passionate about the Samshi because I believe that if the fascia and everything is working well, you've got your horse really fit for the level of photocross you're playing in, then your chances are less of something seriously, you know, some serious injury. But just getting people to buy into it is um, sometimes difficult. Some people are, and then you always get the skeptics. But as Beth says, the less you say and the more you work, they come around to it and they go, oh gosh, yeah, it does actually work. So. so what again was really great about the tour in the States was people got the feeling of feeling good when they're doing it. And that just made my heart. Ryan, when I started this, I was like, the Samshi work, I was like, so I'd be in Hong Kong. Like when I said I was here by myself with my kids in South Africa for 18 months before I got back to South Africa. And I would cry and I'd be sad. And 
<laughs> all of a sudden I'd start like semshing. I'm like, I'd feel so good. It, it made me feel so good. And the thing is, is you started the conversation with Dawn Jones. So when she got onto the horse and was semshing and she felt good. I, and, you know, I met all these new people on this tour and they felt that love that the horse, this unconditional love that the horse gives. They connected with it. And I was like, you know, <laughs> something good's come out of this whole viral thing, you know, this whole pandemic. I was like, yo. So, you know, so a lot of it is about improving the equine athlete. It's maintaining it under um, high levels of competition, but it's also have being able to feel that bond through the strokes and the movement and can put some music on and can feel that energy come from the horse and it comes <coughs> to you and back out. It's like amazing. That is like to share that's make it's, it's good. So when the more people that can yeah. feel it, the better. Got a some six in my possession. I've been trying the strokes and I'm trying to get <laughs> my goal is to get the same reactions you're getting out of the horses when I do it correctly. I've realized I have really dirty horses. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and the, the one in your video that horse is like pristine super clean and it kept reaching back for you so i'm going for that i think i need to use it on myself because I, in the morning when i clean stalls the horses are eating and i'm trying to clean the stall and there's there's times when i want them to get out of the way so i can get the manure underneath them and i got kicked in the thigh this morning yeah. <laughs> so oh, i need to use it on myself <laughs> I definitely want to, you know, practice the strokes, get better at them and start getting those reactions. I've got a 16 year old horse that's very stoic. He's never had hock injections, but I'm interested to see uh, what kind of work I can do on him to yeah. give him some longevity. And, but yeah. you can like just, we can do a Zoom call in the stable. You can do it on a WhatsApp. If you've got a little gorilla stand and you can put your phone somewhere, it's so easy to teach through like, and I love teaching. So it's so easy to teach through the WhatsApp yeah. or a Zoom call. It really, in one hour, I can teach you a lot. Like in, you'll get more comfortable with it and relax with it. And I'd love to help anytime. And the, be and the beauty is you can't do any damage unless you're going to really push hard and be forceful with it. You're really not going to do any damage. Yeah, the horse won't let you do it. It'll, you know, no. kick you in the thigh, just like you got kicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I forgive them, you know, because they, they're eating, but yeah, that's not good. To, it's not fun to get kicked. Run um, the samshi over your thigh. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, I uh, promise you. I will put this in the notes for when I promote this uh, and put it in the podcast notes, but how can people reach you? Um, how can they get involved? Because I know that there are certified ETT persons, so but e yes, yeah, talk so to me ETT about ETT is Feet Through B-Set Academy, and that's um, there is a website for that. And then as far as the Semshis, right now Beth has a promotional code, so they can go through her and get a code and get a slight a discount. And Semshis are sold around the world. Very, very quick, gets into the States very quickly. I'm upgrading the website to improve the videos and the membership, organizing that better. So I'm starting to do a Facebook group and try to post every every day or every other day because we we're trying to do a um, blog and that was too confusing for me. So we, <laughs> we, we went to Facebook, like I went off Facebook for a long time, but in order to do this Samshi and, and share things, maybe we've got a page and a group, um, the groups for the members as far as in, in sharing. I'm going to try to share like different things every day or every other day because I see so much. And it's always changing. I mean, always like there's so many different things happening. So, and again, the goal is to get B Set Academy more online. 
and get a training center going in the States, which I really look forward to. And so a little bit off the track, but there's a woman named Mandy Hunt who helps us with the natural horsemanship at VSET Academy. And she put up these posts. I don't know, Beth, if you've seen them, of the four second year students doing this horse natural horsemanship. And I thought to see that and to see these kids in this time and the, everything we've gone through going and communicating and gallop, cantering around with no bridles and doing this work with these horses, I thought, you know, it's a good thing. This B-Set Academy is yeah. a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing. It's just beautiful to see, you know. And as I said earlier, very proud to be able to provide skills for people to improve horse well-being and earn an income wherever they are in the world. May I ask how many some cheese have been manufactured to this point? I think I'm on about 750. Oh, okay. That sounds like it's going to be something that's going to just grow. You're going to go it like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I look forward to it and I look forward to sharing it and learning all the time. Like it's. What's the season with the meat for Hong Kong horse racing? When does it go from when to when? So we started now in the first of September, that first weekend in September. And we've got the really big international coming up in December. Mm. And I just saw the list before our meeting. I just saw all these international horses that have entered for all the group ones, the December international. So then it goes through till second week in July and then half of July and August we're off. So it's, and it's twice a week. So every race meeting here is like the July at home. It's like, Every race meeting is competitive and your neck is on the block. <laughs> so it's, you're, always, you're always like busy and, you know. We'll tap always, every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. You know, it's like each horse is, every horse is, every race is important. Every race is pressure because it all depends on where the trainers are on the log. It's very, very, very competitive. And obviously the stakes that people are racing for are very high and we're always training like for the big group ones and it keeps me on my toes. So looking towards 2022, is there anything you're excited about? Let's just, let's just say COVID didn't exist. What would you be doing? Obviously you've got your kids in South Africa. Do you go back for a certain period of time every year? How does that work? I used to go back. So I used to be at work here 20 days, fly be home for a rugby game, come back. I mean, it was so easy, but now, Ryan, it's just been, it's, it's really hard. But again, there's no way I would have developed some sheet if I'd been traveling like that. Right now, it's really hard because it's a three-week quarantine here if I want to get back in. 21 days in a hotel, no fresh air. It's, it's <laughs> terrible. It's, I'm just taking it step by step at the moment. I've obviously got big commitments here to the horses that are running and my trainers that I work for so I just staying put focused kids have taken a you know they they're doing the best they can it hasn't been easy for them the goals right now are developing visa online I just want to give that opportunity to more make it more accessible to more people I think as Beth will explain, South Africa is not always in the best position to have international travelers. So it's really about getting a training center into the States. And then, yeah, and just, again, learning how to make better videos for the Samshi. I wasn't, again, because of the competitive situation that I work in, it's, I can't bring people in to take pictures and stuff like that. So it's now trying to figure out how to make better videos because I thought everyone would read a chart and they won't. So I need to make everything has to be. So I made all these charts like this for yeah. all the levels. And basically, they don't even want to go to a website. They just want to put on. 
<laughs> anyway, I'm figuring it out. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. This has been great. Beth McLarty, any final thoughts? Final thoughts on um, the Samshi or horses for World Cups or? Well, I was actually curious about the cow, the calf that you have there. <laughs> I, I feel I need to feel like I need to say this for Bruce. Poor Bruce. He told me the story about how she got loose in the clothesline and ruined one of his best jackets. So this just needs to be said on the podcast. I hope it helps him with the grieving process. You know, Bruce is very sentimental about every polar cross, anything polar cross. Um, so when the calf, um, she's great and she follow, she just um, loves the washing line. She's managed to get herself caught up into his half jacket and then ran around the garden bellowing for help and looking for me obviously and just managed to mutilate his jacket and he was most unimpressed by that i think he's trying to get her out with the rest of the cars as soon as possible but um for me she's pretty much here to stay so <laughs> so you've got the funny farm going on there. Yes. And how's Gray's house coming along? Gray's house is coming on beautifully. A bit slow for him. You know what youngsters are like? It's got to happen quickly. Nothing happens quickly enough. Hoping he'll be in it by December. So, but it's really, it's been a great project. And you, know, you learn a lot about yourself and everybody else while you're trying to build something. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome. almost think that maybe we should be moving into his house and he can just move into ours. I think, I think that would be fair. <laughs> um, and then I just have one more all across related question. What did you think of how Josh handled the podcast? He really didn't take our bait, did he? No, he was great. <laughs> I yeah. was proud of him, actually. He's been in yeah. our home for four years and he's had to get used to, um, with Bruce, there's a lot of banter and teasing. And when he first came... <laughs> He didn't always really know how to take it. He's grown a lot and um, I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, both of you. You're very successful, accomplished, smart ladies. And I'm just glad that we had this time to talk, educate some people and promote a tremendous product. So thanks for coming on. We need a lot more education like this and awareness for the welfare of the horses. It can't just be all about players and what's going on with them mentally and uh, all the glory. We have to look at the horses a lot more often. So yeah. I appreciate you adding that to the equation. No, well, thank you for Ryan. having me. Thanks a lot. Well, you have a great evening. You have a great afternoon. We'll be in touch. It's wine time for me now. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> All right. Have okay, a good one. Okay. Cheers. Lekka, lekka. Lekka, lekka. Thanks for listening to this episode. Cheers to Beth and Beth for spending the time with me, sharing some knowledge, especially about this new wonderful product that Beth Shaw has created. Go check it out at sumshi.com. Here on Chugga Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on polacrossmadesimple.com. For more Polacross coaching, go to polacrossmadesimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.